Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Come on, LifePoint Church, how are we feeling today? This side did a lot better than this side. I'm so, so sorry for that. Welcome to LifePoint Church. It's so good to have each and every one of you uh, worshiping with us. For those of you online, thank you so much for joining us. If we've never had an opportunity to meet, my name is Andrew Garcia. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at LifePoint Church. And again, it's a privilege that you would be here to worship with us and to engage and experience God's word. And I'm really excited about today because we are starting a brand new series called This Is What We Do. Go ahead and look at somebody next to you and say, this is what we do. Little lackluster. Come on, man. Y'all guys had some sleep. Over the next few weeks, we are going to be exploring who we are as a church and the culture that we carry as modeled by the life and the words of Jesus. And if you've been here for any length of time, you've heard it said, you see it on our, on our walls. What we believe is that here, everyone is welcome, nobody's perfect, and that with Jesus, anything is possible. Everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. And I'm really excited here because we're going to explore, for those of you who, who no matter who you are, right, no matter what your background is, this series is for you. For those of us who follow Jesus, for those of us who have questions about Jesus, for those of us who just want to get to know more about this whole Christian thing, I think that this series is going to shed some light in our minds, help us make some shifts in our hearts for how we can pursue Jesus and live him out well. And the truth is the weight of these words are found in the works of Jesus. Like these aren't just some statements, some phrases that we made up that we, we thought sounded nice and fluffy. They're raw, they're real, and they have weight through the life of Jesus. And one of the fascinating things about Jesus is that he was closer to God than any person that ever lived. Like he said, I and the Father are one. And yet people who were the farthest from God flocked to Jesus the most. People who agreed with Jesus the least wanted to be around Jesus the most. People who were the farthest from his lifestyle wanted to be the closest to his life. People who were the ungodliest wanted to be around the godliest person who ever lived. So if you follow Jesus, this is a really big deal. And one of the last recorded statements of Jesus that he says on earth to his followers is therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded of who? You, right? Jesus is charging us, those of us who follow Jesus, to not just do what, we've, what, what he said to do. He says, don't just love with words and speech, but live it out with action and in truth. Be a community unlike any other. Be my church. And so while it's strange, it's no coincidence that when the church comes along, when it steps onto the pages of history, the writer in the book of Acts records that this new little church in Jerusalem was enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, that those who were in proximity with the church began to, to be and become different. And it begs the question, like how, how does something like this happen? 
And before you just, you know, give a spiritual response like, okay, God did, we know that, but can I just remind us in the words of C.S. Lewis that God seems to do nothing of himself which he can possibly delegate to his creatures. That's you and me. He commands us to do slowly and blunderingly what he could do perfectly and in the twinkling of an eye. You see, God has charged us, his church, to be his hands and feet to be salt and light, to love the world well, to stand up and to stand out and to walk into darkness with the light that he's given us. And people who experience the first church community, you know, I, I can only imagine they're like, you know, I don't know if I believe what they believe. Like, I'm not exactly sure if I can buy into this idea that some dude died and then rose back from the grave. But what I do know is that their difference is creating a discontentment in me. That something about them is causing me to want to lean in, to tune in, to see what is it that they are all about. Why? Because this new movement called Christianity, people were experiencing a kind of irrational love, a new kind of community, a kind of community that we here at LifePoint foster, an everyone matters mentality, an everyone is welcome mindset. You see, we, church, we, we see church buildings everywhere, and often I think that we forget that Christianity isn't about or didn't begin with a building. The revolution that Jesus came to bring wasn't an attempt to create and raise monuments. Jesus came to bring a movement. And what we find in the words of Jesus in the church that he creates is the community that we're a part of isn't for us. Like it's not just for you and me to hoard for ourselves. Jesus wants us to go out into the world to spread it to outsiders to those who know nothing about who he is and what he's all about. The church exists for the sake of people who are outside of the church. That's God's desire. It's the desire that he's had since the beginning of time, one that he's still not given up on, that the human race with him should flourish, that all of humanity would get to know and experience shalom, peace, completeness, wholeness, that's only found in Jesus, that his kingdom on on heaven would come down to earth, that through this divine community, differences can be made through a spirit-empowered, through God's divine spirit-empowered presence within us. And that's why we as a church exist. It's not for us, it's for others. So don't take my word for it, right? Like, let's look at what Jesus says. Let's look at the life of Jesus in scripture. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, Levi, who was also Matthew, sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Now, in this day, a rabbi and a tax collector are about as polar opposites as you can possibly get. Like, this sounds like the beginning of a bad joke, right? A rabbi and a tax collector, tax collector walked into a bar. Like, there's a, there's a reason why Jesus taught love repeatedly love your neighbor over and over and over again across scripture, specifically to people who considered themselves faith people, right? Because there's this problem, an issue that we all face. There's a dynamic in human life that's deeply rooted within our hearts, within our minds. In fact, sociology is one of the foundational aspects of life, which is a discipline built around the understanding that as human beings, we're tribal by nature, We create groups. 
The basic way that we divide ourselves up is often us and them. And a tax collector in this day was just as popular as the IRS agents are today. Not very popular. And in this day in Israel, tax collectors were known as amoral social climbers. Like they got to their position by offering a bid to the Roman government and would say, hey, if you give me this role, I will pay you this amount in taxes. And all the government cared about was getting their share. And the tax collectors were notorious for abusing their position, their role, oppressing the people to pay off Caesar and then to enrich themselves. Any wonder why they were hated. (laughs) People hated them so much so that they weren't allowed to testify in court. They were listed alongside of beasts and unclean things. Like they dehumanized them by listing them as objects. They didn't want to consider them as human. They considered that if you interacted with them, you were now unclean. So a person who was devoted to God wouldn't address a tax collector, wouldn't eat with them, touch with them, wouldn't look at them. And if you're a Bible person, you may have noticed this little phrase that we see across scripture, tax collectors and sinners. Like in the New Testament, we find these two groups identified together like this over and over and over. Why? Why do tax collectors get their own category? Like if they're sinners, why not just say sinners? The problem is because tax collectors and sinners, sinners were like, look, I don't want to be associated with them. They're worse than I am. Tax collectors were so despised that even sinners would be offended to be put in the same category as them. And it's funny. But the truth is, is we do that all the time too. We create hierarchies and groups and categorize people like I might, it's funny because back in this day it would have been like I might be an adulterer or a murderer but at least I'm not one of them. (laughs) Like there's somebody who's lower than me on the moral totem pole and I'm good with that and if you're a tax collector, bro, that's as low as you go. And so Jesus is walking on this day in scripture and he's got some of his disciples with him, Peter, James, and John. And they used to be fishermen, right? Not really high on the spiritual totem pole, but at least they're not tax collectors. And Jesus is walking by and he sees a tax collector and he stops. And the crowd following him and his disciples wait for Jesus to say what any reasonable rabbi would say in this moment. Mom must be really proud of you. And the disciples looking at each other, I can just imagine it would have been whispering, burn, got him. But that's not what happens. Jesus is about to throw everyone for a loop. Because imagine imagine how stunned they are when their rabbi actually walks up to Matthew, looks him in the eye, places a hand on his shoulder and says, Matthew, would you come and follow me? Complete shock. Like, hold up, Jesus. You've just extended a formal invitation to this man. And with this one act, Jesus is saying, I want to be in relationship with you. I care about you. I care about your life. And I know that religious people might not want anything to do with you. I know that they've treated you poorly and considered you to be an outcast. And that's okay. I still want you to be a part of my team. You're my kind of guy. I think that you and I can shake some things up around here. 
Everyone who's watching this moment is stunned. This is unheard of. And if we don't understand the scandal of this, we won't understand the story. You see, because some of us have felt the cold shoulder of Christianity, right? The stares that you've gotten of judgment, you could feel it. Words spoken by Christians that were harsh, inhumane. Don't allow the cruelty of others to get in the way of the kindness of Christ. Matthew in this moment is speechless. No rabbi in their right mind is walking up to him and wanting to have a relationship with him. Nobody is asking Matthew, hey, come and follow me. Like, remember when Arnold ran for governor of California? Right? And everyone thought, that's cute, but it's not going to happen. And then it happened. To our shock. This is the kind of social upheaval that's happening right now. What Jesus is doing here is scandalous. It's unprecedented. It is socially upheaving. It's confusing. It's head-scratching. It's unexplicable grace. And if it wasn't enough, they're even more stunned by what happens next. It's like, you know when you watch your Mexican novellas? Right? And you're sitting at the edge of your seat because you're so into it, even though you know what's going to happen next because they all work the same. <laughs> right? Somebody cheats on somebody, then they have like passionate, you know, love, and then there's like a fight again at the end, and then, you know, there's a big family secret, and then in the final five minutes of the series finale, everything kind of comes out, and somebody gets injured or dies. It's cheesy and predictable, and yet we can't stop watching it, right? You're glued. In this moment, they're glued to what's happening here. Matthew. The man who decided to go into the Roman-loving, tax-collecting, I-will-get-rich-off-of-you business is not somebody who they think wants to go into the rabbi business, does something crazy. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. And Levi, Matthew, gets up, leaves his entire life behind, and follows Jesus. Like, hold up. Wait a minute. Matthew leaves his entire identity behind. His pride, his lifestyle, his identity. It doesn't even say that Matthew actually says anything. He just gets up and goes. And I know some of us are like, Jesus, I wish you would do that for me because I want to leave my job now too. See, this is, this is crazy. You see, Matthew was the person that they, the religious people, had labeled as unworthy. That they had determined was unfit for their community. And yet he was one ask away from the kingdom of God. Which for me brings a scary question to mind. For those of us that follow Jesus... Because how many times have we intentionally or unintentionally gotten in between someone and Jesus by the words that we used? By the actions that we took, by the look that we gave, by the gossip that we spoke. Matthew was just one ask away from life with Jesus and this one encounter with Jesus changes everything for him. And then the story it's a little weirder. And I'm not exactly sure how this goes down. I think Matthew gets this idea in his head, like Jesus has just taken this chance on him. 
right? And he's, he's feeling, man, he's feeling like, man, God loves me. He cares about me. I'm connected to him in this deeper way. And he must have said to himself, you know what? I've got a bunch of friends and they're just like me. And if Jesus cares enough for me, if he was willing to take a risk to connect, to speak to, to build relationship with me, then I think he might want to know them too. And if I can just get them in the same room together, I wonder what would happen. I think he cares about my friends too, so what if I throw a party? You know, I've got this massive house from all of my sinful tax collecting. I want to throw a party, and I'll provide everything. And I'll invite them all, all of my sinner friends, all of my tax collector friends, because if they could just get a moment with Jesus, I think he could change everything for them too. And he's like, you know what, maybe I'll just run this past the guys, Peter, James, and John. Hey guys, I've got this idea. And I can imagine they're just rolling their eyes like, come on, bro. You just started following Jesus and you're already rocking the boat. Get it? Fishermen rocking the boat. It's okay. They say, yeah, I'm getting it now. Good for you. They say, you know what? We're getting enough grief already just because you're rolling in our posse. And now you want to throw a party with Jesus and those other people? Nah, bro. But he can't get the idea out of his head. And I can imagine he walks up to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, I've got this idea and I know it's a little crazy. And Jesus, because people are his priority, because people are his passion, because the reason that he came is for people who are far from him. That's the point. I imagine that he smiles and he says, I've been waiting for that, and I would love to. And Matthew, beaming, starts to send out the invites. Come to my everyone's welcome party, right, with Jesus. Emojis, confetti on the screen, blue text bubbles, because only people who are spiritual have Apple phones. (laughs) It's all about Mac. This is scandalous. The people who are on this list have never, have never been invited to a party with a rabbi, ever. This doesn't happen. They're not on that list, and yet this is what Jesus does. Look at what scripture goes on to say. Then Levi held a great banquet. In other words, my man threw a party for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. I would love to be a fly on the wall in this moment. Like, I, I can only imagine how many times these guys had to apologize because they dropped something they shouldn't have dropped in front of Jesus. The phrase, oops, sorry, rabbi, over and over and over again. Talking about how many people they've ripped off or the sin they committed last night. Like, sorry, Jesus, I forgot you were here, but we're having such a good time with you. And I can imagine Jesus is loving this moment because he's just loving them. Because he knows you never know who was just one ask away from life with him. You see, God sees people so much differently than we see people. We see their skin, he sees the heart. We see the outside, he sees the inside. He knows what he's working, he knows what he's doing. He sees, while we see others as them, God sees them as us. Those who look differently than us might actually be more passionate about experiencing God than we are. 
could actually be more captivated by his love than we are. It's funny how often religious people are surprised by those who come outside who are actually interested in knowing about Jesus. And the disciples in this moment, I can imagine their jaws are just dropped. Like, are you kidding me? Like, who is this rabbi that we have said yes to following? He is the rabbi who believes people matter to God. That all people matter to God. That they were worth the cross that he would be nailed to. And with God, there is no us and them. We are one family. And this is such a crucial part of the story. And it's really important for those of us who have been following Jesus for a while to to lean into this. Because there are some people who are standing on the outskirts watching this party go down. You see, in this culture, banquets were open, kind of in the open air. Like, there were courtyards that were kind of just exposed. And so people who would hear a noise or just see a party happen would just kind of come by and watch, right? Would draw spectators naturally. It's a very public event happening in a very public world. And the people that are watching this party right now consider themselves to be God's people. They're in the in-group. They were the ones who considered themselves connected to God. They considered themselves godly men. And they're rattled by what they're seeing because they think that an experience with Jesus should look different than what Jesus is actually doing. See what happens in the text. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belong to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Like what's, what's going on here? We don't associate with them. And this is really funny to me. Like consider what's happening here. They're at a party. You've been to a party. It ain't quiet. It's loud. And the Pharisees are asking the disciples this question. And Jesus, he's a popular dude. Like he's probably in the thick of it. People who have never got to hung out with a rabbi before are around him. They're talking to him. They're dancing. They're laughing. They're having a good old time. And yet somehow Jesus hears this. And I can only imagine because he must have said this out loud. Like, let me answer their question. It's not the healthy who need a doctor. Sinners and tax collectors on his side, they're just laughing. Oh, he's talking about me. I'm sick. But the sick, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let me tell you why it is that I'm here because it's not what you think. God doesn't divide the human race up into us and them. Our father, his father, wants everyone to be us. One people. My father loves everyone more than you can possibly imagine. Jesus would be telling them my father's heart aches after people who are far away from him. I didn't come for those who are already connected to God or those who think they're connected to God. They're not gonna be able, I won't be able to help people like that. I'm here for those who have gotten disconnected from God, who see their own sickness, their brokenness, and who are inviting me in. You see, when Pharisees got together for a party, guess who they invited? Other Pharisees. They studied with other Pharisees. They went to church with other Pharisees. They spent day after day, week after week, year after year with guess who? Pharisees. For them, it was never about outsiders. This, for them, it was an insider's club. 
And they thought that God was actually happy about them doing that, about them excluding others, not realizing that as they were pushing other people away, it was actually impairing their ability to love God well and driving a wedge between him and them. And for many of us who grew up in church, we've been programmed to think that if you read your Bible more, if, if you go to church more, if you pray more, if you debate theology more, then you're, just, you're gonna discover how to have a full and meaningful life. But the truth is you can do all of these things and still feel and be empty. Just ask Jesus. The Pharisees were considered model believers And yet, even Jesus refers to them as whitewashed tombs that appear beautiful outward but are dead on the inside. We keep acting like life change is about information, but life change has always been and will always be about a relationship with Jesus. Faith is not meant to just be memorized and recited. It is meant to be lived. And the cure for the brokenness of our world has less to do with winning an intellectual argument and more to do with celebrating life and love with one another. And what I love, what I love about Jesus is I think that he knew that a good party can get the ball rolling for so many people. I would argue that Jesus was a party animal. If you read scripture, he often spends time at parties. His first miracle was at a wedding party. He went to dinner parties. He was often hanging out with people at celebrations, serving them and enjoying their company. You see, I think that Jesus understood that it takes a party to change how we see one another. It takes a party to change how we see one another. And let me explain before somebody starts to think it's time to start popping bottles, because that's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about irresponsible, indulgent, indecent kind of party, right, that leaves you with the hangover and messages you didn't know you sent. Not what we're talking about. I'm talking about engaging with people, with other people in ways that adds dimension and depth to our souls and their life. There is a kind of celebration, an interaction with others that moves people to love life in a unique way. Like, think of it this way. A party is any effort to celebrate, serve, or enjoy each other in a way that adds value to life. We know this. Think of every party you've ever been a part of or thrown. You celebrated, you served, you enjoyed, and it brought life to you and to the one that you were honoring. Any effort means that a party can be fast, it can be short, big or small. Celebrate means that a party can honor or pay tribute. Serve means that a party can be to help or support. Enjoy means that a party should just be fun. Each other means that there's at least two. (laughs) And engaging in a way that adds value in life, right? A party should always make a positive impact. And I think this is why parties were a priority for Jesus. 
This is why we make parties here at LifePoint a point, like you might not realize this, but this is a church where we believe that in having fun, where people coming together to laugh, to live, to love, changes how those on the outside see us entices them to want to experience what's happening there. Why are they so different? Why do they actually seem to like one another? Actually want to spend time with one another because when we come into this place, we're living it up for Jesus. We're throwing it down. You see, Jesus was making a statement every time he attended a party. Because sometimes it takes a party to demonstrate that God cares about people who party. Think about this. Remember the story of the prodigal son? Jesus gives this compelling illustration of a loving father who throws a party for his rebellious son when he returns home. A party that the son didn't deserve, a party for someone that had denied, disrespected his father, was arrogant, And yet what we find in the story, Jesus is saying the father had been anxiously awaiting his son's return. And when he finally sees him coming, he runs to him and throws a party for him. It takes a party to confirm that we can always be forgiven. You see, nothing confirms that you'd forgive someone or that you love them like having a party with them. It takes a party to prove that people matter more than our opinion. Jesus knew that if we would just be willing to actually enjoy other people, no agenda, having fun, hanging out, there's something that happens. Walls begin to come down. True colors begin to come out. It opens doors, it builds bridges, it deepens relationship for truth and love to be spoken and experienced. Loving people well isn't compromise, it's compassion and care. Our job is not to change people's hearts, that's God's. Our job is to love others well. It takes a party to remind us that in God's story, everyone is invited. One of the reasons that I think so many people have been disillusioned with the church is that too many of us act like there's a VIP list to have a relationship with Jesus. We discriminate against those who don't look like us, act like us, vote like us. We eliminate those who don't measure up to us. We isolate ourselves from anyone who doesn't believe like we believe. When we do this, we segregate the gospel. But when we read the gospel, God isn't segregating, he's integrating, he's bringing things back together, he's making them whole, he's mending, he's healing, he's looking to bring hope and restoration. And it's our turn to play our part. And so I wanna give you two things that you can do today. If you follow Jesus, if you call LifePoint home, what I need you to know is that here everyone is welcome. No ifs, ands, or buts. Everyone has a seat at the table. And if you want to experience God in a deeper way, 
I would challenge you to invite someone new into your life. Because as you begin to lean into relationships with others, often you learn something about God and God cultivates something deeper within you. And maybe you don't know where to start, that's okay. At LifePoint, we make that easy for you. That's the point of life groups. We give you an easy door to walk into relationship with other people. Take it. And if you're doing that, I would challenge you to serve someone else then. You see, to start a party is to realize that it's not all about you. You're shifting focus. And something happens to our faith when we learn to serve others well. And I know, I know that's what you'd expect a pastor to say, please serve. But I promise you, it does something for you. And again, here at LifePoint, we give an easy door, the dream team. And as you smile and open doors and love on LP kids and park cars and build relationships with students, it changes you. Something changes from the inside out. Jesus has extended an invitation to us to join the party, one where everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and that with Jesus, anything is possible. It's time for us to join him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful, God, for your word that has gone forth, God, today. And God, you are working on our hearts, our minds, God, our souls. God, there are some of us in this place, God, that we've been Christians for a long time, but the truth is, Lord, we've not represented you well. We've not done what your word says, which is to love you and love others. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you would challenge us, God, right now in this moment, that you would stir up, God, a discontentment, that we would be willing, God, to say, you know what, God, I want to walk in relationship with your people. God, I want you to challenge me by putting people in my life, God, who are different than I am, to help me get to expand my understanding of you and your love for me. God, I pray that you would help us, God, to recognize that you are calling us to something deeper, to have friends in faith, to do life with others and to do it well. And there are some of us, God, you're calling us to step out and to serve. We've been sitting on the sidelines for too long in our life. God, you are saying, get up and get in the game. Be a part of the community that I have given to you. Be a part of this family where you care for one another, where you serve one another. A community that people are looking from the outside in and when you serve, they're wondering what is happening there. That people would be willing to sacrifice their time, their skills, their talent, their energy, their effort for one another. God, you are calling us, God, into deeper relationship with each other, into deeper relationship with you as we serve each other and as we do life together. And God, for those of us, God, who are in this space who have maybe never had an opportunity, God, to follow you, to say yes to you, and you're working on our heart right now in this moment, God, I pray that we would be willing to just say, God, I might not have all the answers. I might not know how this whole Jesus thing works, but I'm willing to give you a chance. And in their own words, God, in this moment, God, let them say, Jesus, I choose you. I follow you. 
I'm broken and in need of a savior. And I'm gonna choose to believe and put my faith in you. God, you're holy and you're worthy and you're moving in this place and we're grateful for your power and your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you give it up to God in this place? You know, the beautiful thing is we really do believe here that it's okay to not be okay. But we do believe that God doesn't want you to stay that way. He's got a plan for your life. And if you don't know where to start, we've got a resource that we would love to put into your hands. It's a book called Following Jesus. It'll help you figure out the next steps that you need to take to create a firm foundation of faith. We've got a class that goes along with it. It's led by some incredible leaders here at LifePoint. If you want more information on that, stop by Next Step Central. Talk to someone from our team. And for those of you online, just put in Following Jesus in the chat. We will reach out to you. Um, baptisms are happening today. And let me tell you, if you're a believer and you've never been baptized, today is your day. Jesus did it. He modeled it for us. You should do it too. And if you, maybe you didn't come prepared, that's okay. Like we got you covered. We've got shirts. We've got shorts. We would love to celebrate this moment, this day with you. And for those of you who support the vision and mission of LifePoint Church, thank you so much for your intentional generosity. It's making, it's making a difference. And like Pastor Danny said last week, if you were here, you got an opportunity to see that. People are coming, they're getting to know Jesus and their lives are being transformed from the inside out because of your partnership. So thank you so much. There's several ways if you wanna support the mission and vision here. We've got kiosks in the lobby. You can go to lifepointsa.com backslash give. Follow the steps on the screen or use the giving envelope in the seat behind you. Would you guys just stand with me today? If you need prayer, our prayer partners will be located up here at the front. Listen, we're a church that believes in the power of prayer. And if you're going through a season or circumstance that's tough, that's difficult, let us partner with you believing that God can come in and make a difference. Thank you guys so much for being here with us today. We hope to see you guys next week. God bless. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.